0: Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, I'm excited because I'm not alone, and I love when I'm not alone. And today, I'm speaking to Kelly Bullard, who I'm actually really excited to get to know better. Um, We are part of a squad that no one ever wants to be a part of, which is widowhood. And Kelly, I think the coolest part about getting to know you and having you on is as I looked at your page, you're very approachable and very um, loving and and lots of smiles, right? And it's very interesting. We were just talking about your book, which is Behind My Smile, right? Um, But I would love for you to say hello and introduce yourself and tell everyone kind of who you are. And if you'd like to kind of jump and dive right into your story, I'd love for everyone to kind of hear who you are.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here today and to talk with you. Um, I adore you.
0: Um,
1: so I am Kelly Bullard. I'm um, 29 years old and um, I was an elementary school teacher for like seven years out of college. And then um, life took some unexpected turns and I wrote a book and quit my job. So, um, I have two kids. They're about four and a half and two and a half right now. But the whole reason I wrote a book and quit my job was because on June 10th of 2021, I lost my husband in a car accident. So it it was just a normal day. It was just a Thursday. Um, our daughter was two at the time and our son was, um, like six and a half weeks old. And so I was like on maternity leave. It was summer anyways for school, but I was on, I was just home with crew all day and, um, Hallie was at daycare so I could try to adjust with, you know, life with another one. And, (laughs) um, My husband, Alex, was a cattle farmer and he like ran his family cattle business. And that farm was about seven miles from our house. And every night he would go out to check on the cows who were calving just to make sure like they were okay, they didn't need help, the baby was all right, all of that. Um, And so he got home that night. We had some pizza for dinner. Like it was a really, really good night. Um, kids were all in a good mood. Alex and I cleaned up the living room. He put Hallie to bed and he's like, all right, I'm going to go check the cows. I'll be right back. I love you. And I had crew in my chest in the baby carrier because that was his witching hour. So he was just screaming. And I like kind of annoyed, said, I love you back because all I could hear was screaming in my ear and he left and he never came home. And, um, while he was gone checking the cows, I sat down, got crew to sleep. He was still in um, the carrier on my chest. He was all night long. Um, I was reading a book and I heard a, a loud, high pitched scream. And I was like, that is so weird. Is Hall- Was that Hallie? So I went and checked on Hallie and she was still sleeping. And then I remember kind of being like a little freaked out, like So I, I I wanted to be like, okay, Alex, like, come home. Where are you? And, um, then it was around nine and I started cleaning up from dinner because I was like, okay, he still isn't back yet. Like, I'll just clean up and then head to bed. And my neighbor came in uh, my house and she had just this look on her face that you knew immediately something was wrong. And she said, Kelly, where's Alex? And I said, he's checking the cows. She said, what is he driving? And I said, the truck. And she took a deep breath and said, Kelly, there's been a really bad accident. All we know is that it's a bullard." And I remember like wanting to laugh because Alex was the best driver. He drove loaded trailers with cattle through the mountains across the country to shows everywhere. Like driving was just his thing. He was good at it. I I never worried about that. And I was like, okay. Um, so I called Alex and of course he didn't answer. And then I looked up his location, which was right where she said the accident was, which just so happened to be like a quarter mile from our house. Um, I am looking at it right now, like not far at all, 30 seconds from home. Um, and so... I ran out the door with crew on my chest and asked her to stay with Hallie because she was asleep and asked her husband to take me up to the scene. And he did. Um, And I just like, when I got there, I just remember staring at his truck and I was storming toward it because it was unrecognizable, completely totaled. And he wasn't in it. And I was so confused. Like, Mm -hmm. where is he? Why isn't the ambulance moving? I didn't hear a helicopter. I heard no sirens. Like, what is going on? And no one would tell me anything. They just kept being like, you need to stay back. You need to stay back. Um, and then after a while I kind of lost it and was like, I need to know if my husband has a fighting chance or not. I have two little kids like figure out someone who knows what's going on and tell me now. And, um, eventually an EMT walked up and said, we did everything we could. Um, she kept talking. I don't know what she said. I walked away and like just went and stared back at the truck because I'm like, what, what happened? You know, like, where did this go wrong? How did, how did this happen? And that's something I still don't really have answers to, to this day. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a guess. He, it looks like an overcorrection gone wrong. That's all I know. He wasn't on his phone. He wasn't texting or on the phone because I found his phone and obviously looked at what he was on and he turned a podcast on. That was the last thing he did. Um, so yeah, then, uh, you know, life became really hard, really hard. Um, yeah. it, I, I didn't, I didn't want to know what life would be like without him. Um, mm-hmm. and our daughter, you know, was obsessed with him wrapped around his finger And crew was a very colicky baby um, who would only let me hold him. Like, even if Mm -hmm. Alex held him, he still screamed his head off. But as soon as I grabbed him, he'd stop screaming. Um, So then life as I knew it um, was completely shattered, turned upside down. And I had to figure out who I was now. Um, Because since I had met Alex, he's the only guy I've ever dated since I had met him. I relied on him for everything, you know, like figuring out where we were going to live and um, just who I was was so much a part of who he was and because of him. So now without him, it was like, who are you, Kelly? Um, So I taught for the next two years after the accident um, and I just my heart wasn't in it anymore. I Mm -hmm. felt like my purpose in life had changed. um, And that if this was my story, I was determined to use it to help other people. Um, And I couldn't really help widows while teaching first grade. Um, So um, while I loved my job and my boss and coworkers, I decided to quit. And I felt um, just like a big pull on my heart to write a book. And I kind of just went for it and I, and I I did that. And I feel like my time now, um, I'm just so much more intentional with my kids and I don't come home completely exhausted and I'm not taking things out on them as much anymore. And that comes with maturing in my grief as well. Um, but it just mm-hmm. felt like leaving teaching was a big load being lifted off my shoulder so that I could figure out who I was and how to help my kids and myself healing in this grief journey.
0: So you, and thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, as well as of course, I'm so sorry for your loss and I'm so sorry for the way that that happened. It's pretty, hmm, it gave me chills when you said you can basically see right out your window. Um, Mm -hmm you know, where it was, as I see you literally like looking up, you know, and I, I know the same, of course, pain of getting, for me, it was getting the call and Jonathan passed in April of 2021. So our journeys and timeline of how long we've both been widows is pretty similar. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear a little bit about how your time was the first two years while you did continue working a full time job. I think for me, I had already started this business and had loved it and just continued on. But knowing that Jonathan and I were it, knowing that I may be in the position that I'm in basically, um, I was also intentional, I had a brick and mortar clinic prior to this, and I was intentional with, I knew that possibly one day the boys would need me and I'd need to have my own schedule and be flexible. And having a, a family of your own, as well as taking care of and nurturing and supporting and educating, you know, a classroom of children you know, and then going home, you know, like that's a lot. So I would love to hear how that time was for you and how you basically made it through that time.
1: Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. I, at first, after the accident, I wasn't sure I wanted to go back to teaching right away. I was like, maybe I just take a year off, get my feet underneath me and then go back. Um, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't think it would be good for me to sit at home all day with nothing to do. Like, I just feel like I would be wallowing in my grief and going further and further down a rabbit hole if I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't trying to like stay busy to ignore it, but I just knew for me to heal, I needed a routine and a schedule. And if I didn't have a job, I wouldn't have that. Um, so the first year, I'm not going to lie. It (laughs) was, It was really hard. Um, yeah. And I probably, not probably, I, I'm i certain I was not the best teacher. Um, mm. I probably could, could have done a lot of things differently, but like after going through that trauma, I just felt so much more like, what, what is the point after? Like mm. so soon after I'm like, man, what is the point? So I really just tried like nurturing those kids that were harder to love instead of curriculum pushing. Um, I love
0: that. You did so, what you had the capacity for, yeah. but in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it was different for sure. It wasn't, you know, the way it was the previous year, but it it was just what I could do. And my, my aid was so, so incredible. Um, she like, she basically was a co-teacher with me. And like that first year, um, I've never gotten sick so many times in my life after the accident. Um, Mm -hmm. there were days I would be throwing up. Um, there were days I I couldn't even explain it. It felt like a heavy weight on my chest and like breathing hurt. Um, and so I missed a lot of school and then, it was really hard trying to figure out childcare when the kids were sick, because that was Alex's thing being a cattle farmer. Mm -hmm. He had a more flexible schedule to grab the kids. Um, and I hated missing. And I think any teacher would say this, making sub plans and missing is harder than just going if you're not feeling well. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that first year, um, It took a lot out of me. Um, And Crew, uh, my youngest, was still nursing. He wasn't sleeping through the night. I was not ready to put him in his own room. I kept him in my room way longer than I should have. Um, But I just need... I wasn't ready to be alone yet. So I kept him in my room. And we kept each other up pretty much all night. Um, (sighs) I mean, I truly was getting maybe two hours of sleep wow. a night. And then, um, yeah, wake up to get a workout in then get crew up. Nurse oh my in, gosh. Shower. Um, yeah. And then it's like, drop the kids off, go to work, pick the kids up, come home, play, make dinner, bath time, put them to bed, clean up, do laundry, like put dishes away. I, I was drained. And then at the end of almost every night, for that first six months, I'd say I was just on the bathroom floor. Like Mm -hmm. after I finally got the kids down, cleaned up, did anything that needed to be done around the house because I was just trying to keep some sort of routine because that's what I used to do. And then I would just, I would, I would crash on the bathroom floor and just lose it. Mm. So I, I think while I I do think I needed consistency in a routine like that, I did need that. Um, I just had like no part of me. I feel like I, I was trying to give so much more than I had.
0: Yeah. I, I, look, I fully, fully, fully get that. It's so interesting. And I wonder where others' spots are in their home to go take their moment to grieve. Mine, no joke, was on the bathroom floor as well. Like I would just curl in a ball and like I've never squeezed my eyes so tight and just I've never cried like that in my life. I've never like, and I remember as I would like be on the bathroom floor, I'd be like, I know that I need to be crying like this right now. I know that this is exactly what I need to be doing in order to heal or in order to be able to get up the next day, or in order to be able to come out of my room and bathroom and be able to finish dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a curdling, like it, it's so painful. And I talk a lot about, you know, like a backpack of, of weights on you. I also think that what keeps us going the first year is that fight or flight. we, We moved through such trauma that you said you got barely any sleep. Mm -hmm. I didn't track my sleep back then, but I can tell you it wasn't what it is now. I think my body was so heightened and even doing what I do and walking myself through trying to regulate and feeling like, okay, you're doing a really great job and the best you can year to year, I have felt such a complete difference and such a shift in terms of being able to slow my brain and my body down. I would love to know if you felt a little bit of that as your years have gone on with your own healing process.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the first six months were the most brutal um, of just like constant panic attacks, you know, Mm. bathroom floor nights, and I, I, you say that in the bathroom floor. I really, I think that was what I did to make myself fall asleep because my eyes were so heavy. I couldn't keep them open anymore. So wow. it became like, you can fall asleep if this happens. And I, I would, I would fall asleep until crew woke up and needed to eat. Like it's not healthy, but that is what I did for the first six months for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I realized I mean, I still go through phases of anger, but yeah, I nice. realized this, you know, nothing I say or do will ever bring Alex back for the right. kids and I. So it's like, now Kelly, it's time to do some work on yourself. And I needed mm-hmm. to figure out what was helpful for me to grieve because everyone's so different in what works for some people didn't work for me. So I was really trying to just learn about me and what I needed and what helped me. Um, so I became pretty selfish in doing so. Um, yeah. So I would try some things out. Some things didn't work. Like writing really helped me. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I've never enjoyed writing, but it was therapeutic to do it. Um, I loved like connecting with other widows because I thought I was the only one. And yeah. I, there's this whole community. I'm like. I had no idea there were so many young widows, like it, it is heartbreaking. But at the same time, I'm like, like, thank you for showing me and you're a year ahead of me. Like you give me hope. Um, And so I just noticed once I started working, like doing some extensive work on myself and like, Mm -hmm. okay, a workout lets me know that I'm in control of my body where I feel no control in my life. Um totally. Even if I cried through it, it was like, that helps you. Writing helped me. Um, if I could, like a bath. So dumb, but so relaxing. <laughs> um, so relaxing. So it was just like finding out what worked for me. Trial and error, really. And mm-hmm. I feel like after the six six months to a year was still pretty foggy, not, not great, but then, um, it started to lighten and the grief wasn't consuming me 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and if triggers came up, I found myself like breathe Kelly yep. and like, cause I wouldn't do that before it would just hit and, and I couldn't control it. And now it's like, I can prepare myself. Or if something comes up out of nowhere, I can talk to myself and be like, Mm -hmm. you know, here's what you know. Here's what we can do and control in this situation. Um, And I will say too, a lot of that I've learned in this whole journey is just like having grace with others as well. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes things that people would say would set me off. And now it's like, I know they're coming from a good place. I know they're trying to help. I Mm -hmm. know they don't understand this. And so it's just like, bless and release, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I was, um, I'm gonna try not to get choked up as I read this, but I definitely got choked up the other night when I read it on my own. Um, And it's one of your posts. Um, Your dog was in the car with their husband. And your dog did he did or did not make it?
1: He did not.
0: That's what I thought. The craziest thing is that you have this freaking picture with your husband on this couch, looking at your dog, and it's like it is it's it's goosebump. Where it's like, how did how did how did how did did the universe know to get that Mm -hmm. picture? Like Mm -hmm. how? It's pretty unbelievable. Um, Those are
1: actually our newborn photos for crew, which happened like two weeks before the accident
0: it's un. Unbe- one is of your husband looking down at the dog and the other one is your husband looking off and the dog looking at the camera it, it it it's so unbelievable, but I really love what you said if you're okay with it, I'd like to read some of it you said I've always wondered what was the right thing to say to people when They're suffering from a tragic loss. Now, being on the other side of it, here's what I've learned. Tell me you're broken with me. Tell me, who I'm not gonna. I am going to, but it's fine. Tell me you're on your knees. Tell me you don't know what to say. Tell me you're here for me. Tell me your favorite memory of him. Tell me how much he meant to you. Tell me what helped you navigate your loss, and always bring him back, right? But please do not tell me this is the thing. Like, please do not tell me you know what I'm going through. And I have, I clearly get choked up because I read some of your other stuff too. And it sounds like you, you lost friends and maybe even family along the way of your grief journey. And I did as well. And when I just wrote down, when you had to become selfish to figure out what process worked for you within your grief, I think that that is so important for any individual to hear because we are all struck by tragedy in some way within our life. We will all be if you haven't already. And at some point we may need to support a neighbor, a friend, a loved one. And we have no earthly idea what that's going to look like for them or what they may need. And each individual person definitely needs something different. But I do have to say there were people that said, I know, or like, I completely understand how you feel that way. And I'm like, no, but you don't. Like it would, especially when the closest ones to me would say that because they definitely didn't understand. But I think I'd love to hear from you. I have gotten this question so much and I'll share my opinions after you, but, and I feel like I've shared mine before, but what do you think others can do in those times? Like what, in your opinion, and I'm sure you've been asked that question before, what are the things that you say, hey, if someone passes, a lot of people reach out and they're like, what should I do? What would help? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah. And I love this question because before I lost Alex, I said all the things that I now say, don't say. I said, tell me if there's anything I can do. Like if you need anything, let me know. And it's like, we have no idea what we need. Um, (laughs) So I always just say, like, however you feel led, like if you feel led to bring them a dinner, to like send gift cards, to babysit the kids, um, to get a house cleaning service, like just do it. Do not ask that person, like, Mm -hmm. if I say, if you ask them questions, ask specifics, like, I am, I'm bringing you dinner. Do you want it Monday or Wednesday? That way yeah. like, you take, don't even ask
0: me what I want to eat. Just like, yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. Just bring it mm-hmm. whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Just bring it because I don't know what I want. Um, and something else that like close friends and family would do. It's like, okay, I'm coming over. Do you want me to do laundry? Do you want me to clean up? Do you want me to take the kids? Like I'm doing one, pick one. For me, the two biggest things in the stage I was at with little, little kids, I needed the most help with the kids because I was never alone. And I needed my house, looked like a bomb went off at all times. I didn't care anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. It actually was my mother-in-law who said, Kelly, please don't take offense to this, but can I get someone to clean your house? And I was like, yes, (laughs) that would be
0: wonderful. Yes, you can. Yeah. Does that mean I don't have to? Sure. Like, yes.
1: And I remember the first time I came home and like, I walked in the door and it just like, you smell the cleaner and it's like, oh, and the vacuum lines look so nice. Like, you know, it's people, um, like serviced my car before winter or came and mowed the lawn for me because I don't know, that was Alex's job. Um, just I always say just however you feel led to do it, but also a big thing um, that I think we often overlook is just being there, like physically there with them, even if it's in silence. Like Mm -hmm. I know I did not want to leave the house at all. So my family and friends would literally like come and just be with me and the kids all day until it was time for bed because I didn't want to leave. I was not going grocery shopping. I did not want to go in public. Um, Mm -hmm. So people, I said I needed them to come to me. Um, And there were times where like I wanted to talk about it and times I just wanted you to hold me while I cried and not say anything. And like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we just want to fix people's problems and say, you know, everything happens for a reason. He's in a better place now just, just hold me, just listen and Mm -hmm. no judgment. Don't fix this problem because you can't just be there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I appreciate all of that. I think, especially the no judgment, like if you are choosing to be in my inner circle during that time, you're making a conscious decision that no matter what comes out of my mouth no matter how crazy i look no matter the tears like no matter the anger you will still love me and mm-hmm. know and trust that this is the grief process yeah for 100%. me people did not understand that and it was it was lonely it was very 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 lonely and i think When I get that question, people say, how can I help or what can I do? I think it's almost like be intrusive, but be intrusive in a very delegated or very organized fashion of like, look, I'm going to come over on Monday and Wednesdays. I'm going to do your laundry on Wednesdays. So just so you know, like... It's happening, right? I'm, I'm going to bring you a meal every Monday or every Friday. Or like, like, this is what's happening. And I'm going to come on Tuesdays and just sit. And if you don't want to talk to me, it is not your job to entertain me. I'm here in case you need something with the kids or if you want to take a rest or if you want to talk about it. I'm just a body. I will bring my own stuff. Like, be as clear and concise as you can. Because very similar to you, I didn't want to have to entertain, but I also didn't want to go out anywhere, but I also felt extremely alone, but I also wanted people, but I also didn't want to have to like put on a show. It's like all these things wrapped up in one. And I think that not just immediately those things need to be done. I actually feel like there's a few who reached out to me two weeks three weeks, a month, two months, even if it was just a text to just be like, Hey, I just wanted you to know I'm thinking of you or Hey, just checking in to see how how you've been feeling this week. And it was honestly a few people who I'm not very close with, but just certain people that still remain in my brain of the thought that I was still struggling never went away. Mm -hmm. Right? Like they still cared enough to be, to even think about me or to even think oh she she may be having a hard day i wonder how she's doing you know and you
1: you don't forget those people like you wonder no. who does that and who like even today is the 10th of the month i had a good friend text me this morning just saying hey i love you i'm thinking of you i hope you get signs from alex today and it's like it's almost we're coming up on three years. It's over two and a half years later and it's the 10th and she still remembers.
0: Yeah. That's pretty special. I mean, that's a special human, you know, I definitely lost some, but I also was reminded of who is really in my corner and who my people are. And honestly, it's been the individuals that I grew up with, the individuals who no joke, like the women who stood in my wedding were the ones and not one of them lives in my city, but they were the ones that were my everything and, and checking in and, and it just shows like time with certain friends is, is just so, so beautiful. I would love if you're willing to talk a little bit about where you're at now. And I know there's some very exciting news.
1: Yes. Um, so just recently, um, Connor and I got engaged. So um, we probably started dating um, like seven months after um, the accident. Wow. And Connor, I have, I actually met Alex and Connor on the same day. Um, I met Alex at Connor's house um, in college what? for a pregame. Um And then the other thing I always share is that the last friend Alex saw um, was Connor. Um, So I've always known Connor. We've obviously dated other people and whatnot. And then after the accident, um, Alex, he was had lost Alex and then was going through a breakup kind of around the same time. Um, but Alex's friends, um, would reach out and come over for dinner and, um, we're all sweet, but with Connor, it, it didn't, it never felt like forced. Um, Mm -hmm. so we just kind of naturally grew from check-in texts to talking all day and then to dating and, it's scary. It's unbelievably scary to date after losing a spouse. I mean, you get that, but, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, judgment from others too. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were just so many things that were telling me like, this is right. Like, and he is incredible with the kids. Um, they adore him and his family is incredible. And actually his, Mm his, Little sister was my little in our sorority in college. Uh, so like I've like him and his family i've I've known for a while, but like, I never like knew him beyond just like he would be out when we were out. Um,
0: yeah,
1: and last month, he proposed, and we are going to get married. We think we don't have anything set, but we're looking at like August of this year.
0: That's so wonderful. I, It's so interesting. You said you started dating around six-ish months. I started dating Carter, who I have not told anyone about until now. Yeah, um, I just, like, saw him. At, yes, um, at about nine months. And the world of dating after losing a spouse is, it's not easy. Like, it's it's, and it requires a huge heart of a human mm-hmm. because there will like Jonathan will always still have a presence in some form of my life. You know, he is in sometimes our everyday conversation. Yeah, And I think especially for how vocal you are on social media and even how vocal Julia spilled milk, um, how vocal she is. And, You know, I, I waited until my old eldest knew what happened to kind of share the story with everyone of like exactly how Jonathan passed. That was just something I felt respect for Charlie for, but sharing that and also sharing that we still have struggles, but yet there's someone else by our side, like, wait a second, like I'm here. It's, it's an incredible thing to navigate, but also incredible thing to witness another human love that much that they honor, you know, they honor all that you've been through and they honor your children and they honor your grief and they hold space for it and care for you. And it's, it of course happens over and over again. So many either remarry or find a partnership. Um, but it's, it speaks volumes of the individuals that of course we choose, but it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to date. You have to have such like strong communication skills and yes. work at them. Right. I'd love for you to, as you're like laughing, giggling, I'd love for <laughs> you to share a little about how it's been for you to navigate all of that.
1: Yeah. Um. So I don't know if, Everyone's like this or it's just me, but there are times like when grief hits, there are times like I want to be alone. there's times I want you to like just sit with me and not talk about it. There are times I want to talk about it. um so honestly, I just have to tell Connor like this is a leave me alone day, like yeah, don't, this is a I need you day, like, and I need you to be serious. um yeah, this is like. I'm, I'm crying on your chest. I know you can feel the tears, but like, I don't need to talk about it. Um, and I also think it's important to like, especially with, um, me and Connor, he knew Alex. Um, I don't know Mm -hmm. if I mentioned this, but Connor was in our wedding, um, too. So he, Mm -hmm. they were good friends. And so Connor is, I'm an open book clearly Connor is not as much. And so I felt like I kind of had to like, are you okay? Do you need anything? You know, like, um, and maybe that's guys are just different, but I felt like it's important to like making sure that there's that open line. Like I'm here for you. If you want to talk about it, If you just want to sit, but like, we don't have to talk about it either. Um, I, yeah, I'm just laughing because still we've been together for two years now and it's like, yeah, there are some times where I can like feel it coming and I'm like, hey, this is, I can feel it in my body. This is coming yeah. on. Um, <laughs> like, if, if something like, if I explode, we need to talk about it. Yeah. Like if I get yeah. to this point, it needs to be talked about. Um, so just, yeah, I mean, and it, it comes up unexpectedly. And you never know mm-hmm. when it's going to
0: happen when you least expect it
1: yes I mean sometimes like we'll be watching a TV show and I just start crying because like something they say or something I see or they do and it's like oh man like turn the TV off <laughs> like, yep. I'm done
0: I literally did that last night I was listening to something um, like a news reporting and um, I didn't think it would trigger me it was how someone passed and um, took their own life. And I was like, Nope, Nope, Nope. That's too much. And boom. And I just went back to cooking. But like for five, 10 minutes, I was like, rocked for a little of like, Whew, yeah. I can't believe that still mm-hmm. gets me. You know what I mean? It's like so least expected moment, but yet mm-hmm. you have to honor those moments. Cause if you don't, then they just keep coming and coming and coming. Right. Yeah, I find that the I- more I honor them, the the longer the length gets of and it's been sl- a slow burn of that right like mm-hmm. of course I'm not crying and my eyes aren't squeezed tight as much you know I I don't I haven't I can't tell you the last time I basically was on the bathroom floor like that's a plus right, right. hopefully you're yeah. the same mm-hmm. Um, but there are still those moments and it gets it never will go away but it gets lighter in a sense of you are able to support it and manage it more. And it's, yeah. it becomes your daily, you know, life of this is just what I live with. This is who a part of me, not all of me, but a part of me.
1: Yeah. And I remember in the beginning, you know, when people told me it gets lighter, it gets easier, like you learn how to navigate your life around it. It made me mad because I'm like, there's no way this mm-hmm. is getting easier. I don't see a light at the end of this tunnel, but it, it comes. It really it does. does. It,
0: it absolutely comes. I I always said year one is fight or flight. Year two is exhaustion year and like tons of tears because your body is starting to settle and the dust is starting to settle in a really, really hard way because you don't have the fight or flight energy anymore. So the things that your brain wasn't ready to process in year one and was pr- attempting to protect you and yourself from feeling, you begin to feel in year two and then year three, I thought it was like, Stella's going to get her groove back, honey. I was like, I'm in, like, let's do this up. <laughs> and, you know, I think that this, this year, this third year has been the year of seeing my spark, not living it every single day, but seeing it. And that just makes me even more excited for what will year four look like, you know? Um, I'd love to hear if that's, a little bit of how it's been for you in the different years or what um, has transpired, especially in this year as well. You know, you're, you're the year that you're in your third year.
1: Yeah. um, I agree. Fight or flight for the first one, just complete foggy. I honestly blacked out most of that year because I, I was getting no sleep and my kids depended on me for everything. So like they were the reason I continued getting, I call it a tornado
0: head. year. It was like, what the heck just happened? Really?
1: Like- yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. And then mm-hmm. year two, um, like I, I saw myself coming back, but still, mm-hmm. um, still having some like panic attacks, not, not as close together as they used to be, but there were times where like a smell or something would be still yeah. so raw and so fresh. Um, mm-hmm. And now, yeah, like I'm a little over two and a half years in and I feel like, I feel like I'm finally finding right. my way. Right. Um, and, and strangers even have said like, Kelly, your smile is coming back. And I was yeah. like, no, I am really good at <laughs> fooling people. Like, and so when yeah. people started yeah. saying that. Behind,
0: behind my smile is the yes, title of your book, right? <laughs>
1: hence the title. Um, yeah. But that was like when it just kind of hit me and I remember it like took my breath away and I just started crying because I'm like, I'm still here. Like I didn't want to be, I'm still here. I'm still fighting. And like, my kids are thriving. Like they have so many people who love them and so many people who would do anything for them. I've found so many people who do the same for me in this journey. And I'm like, I finally feel like I'm getting my footing back. doesn't mean I don't die or have bad days or still miss my husband like crazy, but, Absolutely. but I'm still here. And I feel like, yeah, year two and a half after this, like, you know, I, I can take on the world again.
0: Yeah. I, I, I feel it more and more every day. And I, I love that we get to have this conversation as two individuals who really have a very similar timeline, if you will, of, you know, yeah. very close in, you know, April and June. Tell everyone a little bit about your book and behind the smile, right? Like that are behind my smile, excuse me. Yeah. That's yeah. a, it's a beautiful title. And I know I've said it 15 times at this point, right? Clearly I <laughs> like the title, but thank you. what, what is this book about? What does this book mean to you? And, and what is, what can people find in this book?
1: So my, um, book, I, I named it obviously behind my smile, finding hope when life leaves you feeling shattered. Um, and I just kind of wrote about my, my experience, um, really from, I mean, I start, started at June 10th, the day of the accident, and I kind of just go through and how I've grown and what I've learned and realized. And, um, I was gifted a lot of books after the accident, all surrounding the topic of grief. And there were many that I loved and some I never really got that into and didn't finish. Um, but behind my smile is kind of just what I wish I had. Um,
0: oh, well, I want
1: yeah. I want people to know in their grief, their sorrow, their hurt, their heart, whatever that may be for them, um, that they're not alone. Like no. so often we think, you know, it's just us who feels this way and people will think I'm crazy, but the more I've been, you know, vulner- vulnerable and shared my story There are so many people who have been like, you put words to something that I experienced two decades ago. And I'm like, just getting that now. And I'm like, that is amazing.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: Yes. I wish we talked about this more because I was so blindsided by my grief. I had no clue what it was Mm -hmm. Um, and the toll it takes on your entire body, every part of your being. Um, Yes. So I really wanted to educate about grief and what it is. And also just knowing like, like I kind of, there is a light that comes. If you just like, hold on, like you can do this.
0: Um, so yeah, it remains like you, you can put on a smile. I remember being at places in public, especially again, that first year of like, Mm -hmm. I'm here, but like my brain is like still at home, like so sad there was nothing for me to talk about i did not want to talk about the mundane kind of like you were saying like what is the point you know like it just it it just completely rocks your world but that smile i don't want to call it fake until you make it but you know the smile that you continue to put because we're so used to smiling it does become reality like it does it does become that natural smile and it's so beautiful that even your close friends and family are like your smiles back because deep down they can tell like deep down they know, like they know if our spark is back, they know if we're really thriving or if we're just surviving, you know? Um, and I cannot wait to read your book. I'm definitely going to read it Uh, and I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Um, yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Kelly Bullard. Um, that's kind of where I am most of the time.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming today and sharing your story. And, you know, it's, it's natural for us. I think it's also healing for us to share our story and let others hear it, you know, um, and give it, give it a voice and, and just help it be alive, if you will, to be able to continue processing and, and healing and all the things for us, but it doesn't, come without its bravery and strength in order to share something that has happened so traumatically in your life. And I'm so thrilled that you have gotten the beautiful blessing of not one loves, but two loves in your life. And, um, it does not ever replace, but it surely does allow you to find something new, right? Within this journey of life. And, allow you to have not the family you had, but it is still a family and that family is just as beautiful. You know, I have a book and I read it to my kids all the time. A family is a family is a family and it's a phenomenal book. Um, But thank you so, so much for being here. And thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: Yeah. Anytime. And until next time, XOXO, Dr. B.